Hello and welcome to Campaign Comrades, your favorite leftist gaming podcast. I am your host, Ben, and with me as always are my co-hosts. I'm Mike. Pat. What up, what up? It's Rick. How we doing, guys? How uh, how's your week been? We took a week off last uh last oh, week. I'm ready to get back into it. Yeah. Give yeah, the people, a lot of news. Give the give the people what they need. I mean, we don't really take a week off if we're still streaming. Yeah, I mean, in in terms of podcast content, though, yeah, we t- we're we're taking a week off, and just for you know, listeners out there, that is going to be the ongoing plan for now until you start showing us that uh, that love and support, and actually, you know, make it feasible for us to do this more <laughs> full time. Yeah, listen uh, and shameless engage plug, with our shameless podcast. plug. Yeah, you know, give us a give us a like, give us a review, share it with your friends if you like what you hear. If you want to hear Five more? Five star reviews only. Yeah, but we got a lot of things going on. The news is, you know, there haven't been many games released so far in the new year or anything of real note critically. Um, but I beg to differ. Uh, well, I mean, with a, with a few exceptions, which we'll get to, but uh, you know, we're, we're 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 getting into those territories now. It's like things are starting to uh, really kind of unfold. But we've been really kind of stuck in what I'm just kind of feeling is this like new cycle that just won't end. Welcome to um, the drought. Right. And it's just, it's, it's little, it's different from different areas, different bits here and there, but like, it's, it's all, it's all nasty. But before we get into that, let's keep things light. Let's keep things, uh, keep things moving. Uh, any heated gaming moments in our week off? What's got you uh, hot under the collar? Uh, I don't know if it's hot under the collar, maybe hot in the pants. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. That's valid. That's valid. I've, still uh, heated. Yeah. Still heated. Bricked it's, up. Yeah. It's, it's still heat. It's primal. Uh, I've lost a week to Pokemon Legends Arceus. Um, just what's the hour count? What's the hour count? Hit us. I, I think it's around like thirty hours, which isn't bad. I, I respectable to, to put that into perspective. That's how long I've put into a game. I've been playing for about a month. Different styles, man. People, you know, people approach these things in different well, ways. Yeah, and and I have like limited amounts of time to game because you know I'm just busy, so I was just throwing it in, you know, in one shot as much as I can, just letting my eyes bleed out while I have, you know, a somewhat free week. Yeah, was that really over? Like, was that is that like a, a business week? How many days is so, those, are those thirty hours over? That's what I want. Like yeah, that's that's yeah, yeah that's the yeah. real important. So there, so right my pre order. My pre-order did not come until Tuesday. The game came out last Friday. <laughs> and uh, so Tuesday to we're recording two Fridays Saturday. ago when yeah, when this yeah. comes out. I have not touched it today. So that's and four days. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. That's... I mean, my eyes were bleeding. They're just recovering today. Yeah. Um, and, and part of the reason they're bleeding is, you know, the game is unfinished. Fantastic game. The game is spectacular. Is over the course of four days, that is essentially an eight-hour job a day. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's awesome. slightly right. under. Respect. Slightly <laughs> under per day. You know, see that those that's labor hours that could be going to you know uh, NFT gaming, baby, and, and earn, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Earning, earning some crypto. Earning some Again, smooth love coin. I've said it before. If they made Pokemon like VR metaverse and I can make money, I don't care. I'll be a slave. Just let me catch Pokemon. They're getting yes. closer. They're they're trying. Yeah. And, and they are. And this game is like a step in that direction because it's like a, you know, a sandbox style RPG. Uh, the problem is the sandbox is virtually Minecraft. Uh, you could see the tiles that you're, you know, of the texture and the terrain. Um 
but they did spend a lot of time on the Pokemon sprites themselves, but I won't get too much into it because listeners, we will have a Pokemon deep dive where I, I will just be in the weeds of Pokemon. <laughs> um, so, you know, stay tuned for that. But, you know, I, I, I've done this before with Pokemon games and I know that I'm not the only one that has, you know, put, no. you know, unfathomable amounts of hours in, into a certain game. No, that's for sure. Like speaking of uh, of which, this week with Destiny being in the news, that's uh, I thought I'd jump back into the to the universe that took you know months of my life and in, uh, in 2015 as I sat around waiting uh, to start my real world job after graduating and literally played Destiny for probably like six hours a day at a minimum. It really sucks though because this new like games as a service is trash it makes it makes returning to a game that i had essentially beaten and and earned all this gear over time uh worthless i i returned and i have to essentially start over and they make you start over every five months three months and you pay ten dollars to do it and we all act like you know this is a good thing for us because it's more of the game but it's also just more of the same content essentially repackaged uh so welcome to games as a service yeah it really is uh we all know that's that's a shit product to do games as a service it's not something that benefits anyone but shareholders uh but just jumping back into destiny and seeing it just be so it's just a job they've turned it into a job if you want to play the game and i don't I don't have the ability. Yeah, so to why do... wouldn't you want when you have, you're playing this job? Why wouldn't you want to make money with NFT gaming? <laughs> yeah, so that's my heated gaming moment. I won't go back. <laughs> Is that like the seasons? I only played Destiny on your PS4. You know, in like 2017. Yeah. Uh, is it like the seasons that you're talking about that like reset every three to five months? Yeah, I think they do seasons essentially like every quarter, more or less. And those you have to get, you know, you can get different passes and uh, there's new exotics and things like that. But it's just... Yeah, because it's free to play, right? Yeah, it's now free to play. So they, they, they have to monetize somehow and force their pe- player base to pay them. Because, I mean, they do have microtransactions. Um, so I'm sure they're making money off of that. And that was a new addition with Destiny 2, which was another thing that sucked, but... Weren't they also like super big with Stadia when Stadia launched? Wasn't that one of like the big Stadia selling points? Like we got Destiny 2, baby. It's like cool Stadia. Do you, do you want to pat on the back? <laughs> my my question is, you know, how do you get away with that with a a, a looter shooter? You know, like literally taking the exactly. people's loot, a, loot away. That's... How how do they not just be like like yeah. you know, just rage quit, spike the the controller into your television and never play again i don't i don't see how that has just pissed off all the player base dude i i don't know because that's literally what my experience was when i logged in i logged in and i was like oh yeah i remember this gun this gun was awesome and then like it didn't even kill the easiest level enemy in front of me because it's so underpowered at this point and it's worthless and it's like well Fuck me. It's literally like Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> yeah. The power levels are meaningless. They just yeah. constantly All need to like make something new. Like the 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 numbers become meaningless. How dare you say next, that the power levels get meaningless once bigger. they start doing like base <laughs> multipliers of like times Mark's seventy-five 10. per per level yeah, times ten. Like Kaioken times twenty on top of Super Saiyan seven. I'm getting scared now that with Pokemon's you know new Legends model that 
you know, I'm going to log into to Pokemon one day and then all my Pokemon will be like lower level and, you know, I have to start from scratch because they're going to follow the same model. It's terrifying. Can't do that to my Pokemon. Those it's are my probably only friends. They, they, they haven't shown that type of... Uh... No, I, I don't think they would move to that, but, you know, it, it, it's a scary, scary prospect to think about for me. Hey, if Pokemon ever turns you away, Digimon standing there in the corner, <laughs> its arms open. It's fair. Monster Hunter as well has been waiting for me. I, I think that's going to play that. We oh, might need God. to do some some group stream co-op on uh, I'd be some Monster Hunter. Legends of Monster Hunter is... World, Monster Hunter Rise. Yeah, there's a lot of choices. Monster Hunter doesn't have a storyline, right? Sort of? Yeah, I think sort of. I mean, it's okay. like a loose story. Okay. Just like, Just like the story is you're hunting monsters. Yeah. It's like people that read the cutscenes and shit in Pokemon. Just button mash through that. It's meaningless. <laughs> Like it's all the same story, it's you know. Amazing. If you're How if you're an adult you? at this point, How dare you, you could, say it's all the same get story? The Let me tell you that one of the bad guy groups is basically PETA saying, No, fighting Pokemon is bad. And you're told to like, no, stomp that out with your Pokemon power. <laughs> Which one is that? Like Gen yeah. 5? Yeah, use use your enslaved animals to, to take them out. I believe so. I think that is black and white. It, it enslave these Pokemon gods to uh, shackle them to your human will and <laughs> and you know wreak havoc upon the earth, reshape yeah. it in your in your human image, destroy the people trying to protect them. Oh, that's a classic. You know, environmental terrorism. You know, oh, yeah. it's, uh, you know, they're, Final they're Fantasy the bad Seven guys. St- yeah. Starts with eco terrorists stopping the like yeah. reactor yeah. plants that are sucking the life force <laughs> of the planet slowly. That is like a, a central 1990s plot line. Well, and going back to uh, PETA, I've, I think, uh, you know, Legends of Arceus, they retcon the Pokeballs. And so that Pokemon now shrink themselves down and want to go into the balls. <laughs> they want it. They sure. want it. Because it's their home. They, they, they like living there. Dude, yeah, that's such like a funny retcon. Down. Oh we we had textbooks that said certain things like that too at one point in time. <laughs> <laughs> some you know, some states still do. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, those are the ones they're not burning. <laughs> yeah. Too true. All right. So reining yeah. us back in, we we kind of mentioned it already. You know, it seems like the news is just some different shade of the same color. So <laughs> we, I do want to start us off, though, with, you know, we had some some dipshit in our Twitter replies back when, when the Microsoft stuff broke. It's like, oh, you're just salty because you're, you know, you're all Sony ponies. Sony like, pony. <laughs> it's like, you, like, you don't care. Like, you know, this when, is great. When someone calls you a Sony pony, I'm... it's basically the same thing as them trying to call you a soy boy. And it's just impossible to take right. seriously. Yeah. I just, I just reflexively then do the face just to spite <laughs> them. I was, as I'm literally yeah. doing the yeah. face. Li- li- listeners, yeah, can't, we can't see it in the, our, our auditory medium. Yeah. Mike just, just did this, just, soy faced so hard hard. i don't know if he's gonna be okay um yeah so uh you know we were critical of the the microsoft activision news which again is still unfolding and we'll get to that but you know we're here to squash that that shit put it to bed (laughs) you know say we are equally critical of any industry uh following along uh or that is going with larger trend of capital to consolidate into closed borders and 
circled the wagons. And so we have a further example of that today, as we've gotten, as we've already talked about, Sony uh, enters into an agreement to buy Bungie, the original cre- uh, developers of Halo, the current developers of Destiny. Um, they've agreed to uh, to purchase for a figure around $3.6 billion. And while we know this is not a direct response to the Activision purchase. Yeah, it's been in the works you know, for like five or six months or whatever. Yeah, these, yeah, these deals take take yeah. too long. Say, so if anything, it's a response to the Bethesda purchase. Yeah. Yes. Um, but again, it's 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 more it's more just again. This is the trend. This is where the industry. This is the only space the industry has for quote unquote growth. There was a funny. I saw a good meme on the gaming Reddit's. One of them popped up. And it was like, you know, Sony and Microsoft buying all these studios to like bolster their products and like create better first party titles for themselves. And then Nintendo standing in the corner, like you need to buy people to make good games. Yeah. yeah. yeah what? <laughs> what? Sorry. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, I think this, I wasn't surprised by this news a due to the fact we've seen all this consolidation and B, I mean, but Sony and Bungie have had a, had a relationship from the beginning of destiny sony had some exclusivity rights initially oh yeah i remember um, there was a like a white ps4 bundle with the original mm-hmm. destiny that was a that was a fresh white ps4 i almost bought yeah, it was that cool. back in college you're such a weirdo in your you know like of the white consoles <laughs> yeah white white is clean if you keep it clean white gets dirty yeah it's so, well, yeah it's but so that's why you got to keep it clean it's too much work yeah um to me this isn't as bad of news as the activision purchase I, there's I don't a magnitude know. I, difference there yeah, yeah. there's th- it's right. like this like is threefold. something that ultimately i do Three? i can see if <laughs> if you're a true fan yeah like 30 <laughs> uh if you're like a really big fan of destiny i i do think this potentially does benefit you and that you'll most likely continue to get a fuck ton of destiny content for like the rest of your life well yeah they said that uh they said they're that gonna just go gonna nuts. remain multi-platform and all that they're gonna keep it where and it's not, gonna be not just not just that they're but looking to milk beyond, that, yeah like that that product as much as as, as they can the, it's the platform TV, economy baby yeah tv jumping off that movies, brand they'll they'll be doing destiny everything so like for those people this this actually does potentially benefit them and so while that bit, you know, was, makes yeah. makes sense and, you know, it's a good fit for Sony. Sony is a, a movie producer, you know, production company as well. You know, they yeah, have that uncharted, uh... but it, it, it really, un, it's really uh, becomes clear. And Ricky, you know, you said you're not surprised at this deal when you're actually looking at what Bungie brings to the table. It's clear that they're, you know, they're a highly desirable entity for Sony. They, they fill a gap in in what sony is able to produce um that has really kind of put them on their back foot in terms of where the industry is moving in the free-to-play space in the live service games it it gives them two things it gives them that live service and it gives them an established fps studio a studio who's created these fps titles something that sony notably doesn't usually go with right they're like the more cinematic first person third you know Sorry, correct, right. The third person experience of um, 
you know, you're kind of like the Uncharted, the Spider-Man games, Last of Us, God of War, Horizon. They all have the same cinematic third person perspective in ways. But when you when you like kind of look into it, this deal is less about the properties like Destiny. And it's more about the technical expertise that the that the actual developers bring to the table. Like there's uh, this was several days after the you know, the actual, the deal broke, there was a, a more of a breakdown of the finance of the finances, roughly a third of the deal, something like 1.2 billion um, is being uh, retention al- allocated. Yeah. to talent retention and, and which has rubbed some of the, some um, Bungie employees, you know, the wrong way uh, you know, that they're just, you know, kind of locked in a gilded cage kind <laughs> of uh, you know, they, they're not, they're not really too, too on board with that, but it's something like, it would equate to roughly uh, a million over a million per developer with how many employees they have. Obviously some it's, it's all based on like their, their stock options. You know, some, some developers, some employees have more than others. Some are set to make more than others. It's, it is not going to be split that evenly, but yeah. um, Law of you know, we love to see, you know, uh, developers and creatives paid well for their work. So that, but, that's a uh, that's a cool way of uh, like trying to ingratiate yourself to your new developers. It's better than walking in and looking at them all and being like, "Okay, all of you are gone. Here come our people." You do that slowly over the course of ten I'm all years. For those, all for those people, you know, securing the bag. But it doesn't change the fact that I think what they're being brought on for is you know kind of parasitic and uh, f- uh, problematic for the future of the industry. Oh yeah, no, the structure of buying other studios is just getting out of hand well so one thing i want to bring up and especially related to that dingus that was in our replies during the activision uh don't give him too much debacle you don't want to i'm using him as like a good representation of like most people out there uh especially on the internet and especially around like the idea of monopolies because this person was like they only have 30% 30% of the market share, they're not a monopoly. <laughs> and so I love that. That, that. That's like posting the Webster definition. Well, but my favorite part is fucking Phil Spencer and some uh, other C-suite from Microsoft is doing the same thing in interviews in the fucking media, mm-hmm. it using the same rhetoric. Like, we only have 30% of the market share, so, you know, we're not a monopoly. So, I mean, is, isn't it really that he's citing that they're still third? After all of this, or that, that's what it is. Yeah. It's their third, not thirty yeah. percent. Yeah. But reg- the regardless, like, so my the point is, one, like we, and we, this was something in the thread. Like, we use the term monopoly like legally and you know in common language, and they they have different meanings. But one thing that's been going on, especially in leftist economics or like left leaning economics, is more of a focus on. And I'm going to butcher the word, so bear with me. This will be a common thing with Mike. Um, that instead of looking at it as monopolies, looking at it as a monopsy, which is there's one buyer of labor, or there's like few buyers of labor. So even looking at this deal where the developers are going to get, you know, a million dollars in retention or, you know, an average of a million dollars, whatever, per developer, you've just limited the, the purchasers of labor on the market. 
So now, you know, there is only really three studios that have like a majority of the labor purchasing power within that marketplace. So you as a seller of your labor are limited in your options. That's a way, and we've discussed before, how antitrust has moved from a focus on the worker to the consumer and like looking at it as a monopsy rather than a monopoly kind of helps push you to look through that lens. And this is something I've tried to get Rick to look at because he can possibly know more about economics than me. But like the thing, so from like even just a more simple perspective though, when your top four companies own like 85% of the market share, that's not really a competitive marketplace. Like to, to yes. pretend that that is a competitive marketplace is, is ridiculous. Like you're just lying. Like you can't, you can't honestly say that that's a fair competition between those, those, the other, the uh-huh. other hundred, hundred companies that are making up that 15% of the market share. Like it's, there's no way they can compete even from an economic standpoint, which is what you're also kind of getting at too, with being, they can't even pay people. Like they can't even, yes, like exactly. if, they, if, if these larger co- corporations wanted to, they could wipe out those studios by simply just mm-hmm. hiring all of their employees for twice what they can pay them. Like yeah. that's part of the problem here as well. But they don't. Ha- they don't have to do that. They don't even have. No, they to don't even have to do use that. competitive wages because it's they're the only options. They're right. They've got and three that's choices. The point of a monopsy. Yeah. Or however you pronounce it's, it. It's, I know it it's is. Normal. It is. It is de facto like wage fixing instead of mm-hmm. like actual. Well, you and know, that's going toward you know a- actual uh, collusion. And that's the idea, like in the study of the platform economy, which I'll I'll keep bringing up. I'm a novice on it. It's still like an evolving idea um within like law and economics the the platform economy i think is it's a development but it's still it's still very much capitalism like it it is just like it's almost a more pure form (laughs) well so the platform economy is just an idea of uh it's like a description of how the economy is actually working rather than like the ways that economists look at it now and like try to fit it into like uh Keynesian like, models. <laughs> yes, yes, that's the Keynesian models. And like, it doesn't fit. So it's like, all right, let's look at an, another version. Let's come up with a different description for the model that's actually working right now. And, you know, Ben pointed out that, um, you know, it's like de facto wage fixing. And that's just like, you can't look at the the wage fixing that is going on under a Keynesian model, because the Keynesian model does not account for like, what is actually happening in the market mm. or in the laws that are being introduced in the space. So one of like, right, it's not actual policy. It's, you know, it's wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know, not even that, but like, you know, we've discussed before, it's like, uh, antitrust law had a, a big shift in the 1970s. And one of the changes was, uh, allowing for vertical, uh, alignment within corporations rather than horizontal so that like privileged uh these companies like essentially wage fixing at like the lowest common denominator and and it's because of that being able to consolidate and you know have this power this purchasing power of wage labor um that the other smaller corporations can't do and then we because we've split so that you know so many QA testers are independent contractors rather than employees and things like that they can't even communicate with each other and try to like change or ask for higher wages because they're exempt under the labor law so it's like all these different um you know in the platform economy is like or the 
discussion of it is looking at all these interactions that these previous models could not have accounted for. But you're like, so you're, you keep talking, we're talking about wage, wage labor. And, and I think that is an interesting part of like, you're, I think from like a public perspective, when people think of monopolies, though, they think of it from a consumer standpoint, they're not, exactly. thinking, they're not thinking about it from the worker standpoint. And, and that's the and point isn't, of isn't, looking at even a the law, Doesn't even the law look at it as, as a Correct. consumer standpoint? So like, Correct. at that point, what is the, like, who, if there's no legal course to say this is the problem because of the worker, how are we going to overcome well, it from and, that perspective? And that's, the ch- and that's the change of, you know, just looking at our, our definitions and how we talk about it. And rather than talking about this as a f- formation of a monopoly, it's looking at the analysis as a monopsy, which focuses more on the worker and the purchasing power of, of labor uh, or of co- the purchase, the corporation's uh, a- ability to purchase labor um, and be like one of the few that has the ability to do that. So we, we've we've seen also in the in the news again the the we've already talked about and t- or touched on Microsoft Activision is a ongoing and developing uh, thing. We I think it's it's worth uh, going over there with your points that. Again, how how are the regulatory agencies going to um, look at these deals? And it is about how do they affect the consumer? No matter how, you know, uh, supposedly, you know, radical the the new FTC head is, they're fighting against, uh, you know, a headwind of decades of both informal and formal policy that shapes the public perception of these deals and they cannot rightfully step in the way if uh they cannot cite that yeah prices are going to go up and that's the that's the only metric the current news being however that the ftc will officially be um investigating and overseeing the microsoft activision purchase not really news per se. We know that these reviews are basically mandatory for, not basically, they are mandatory for deals, something like over a hundred million dollars. And these are far surpassed that. So it's not any surprise that it uh, is like being audited or whatever. Um, the, what I saw in the news that people were, uh, you know, the, it was the classic bit of people not reading the headline, just being like, oh, duh, you know, the FTC always, always does this, but reading the articles they were saying something about how it, there was maybe a little something weird going on or some shenanigans happening that ftc taking for a, a, a stronger role than the department of justice in this case but it's not i guess as clear cut as that and um i know mike you you had something yeah i mean the ftc and the doj just like have traditionally uh picked industries that they've they are the reviewers of um and traditionally the doj reviewed like entertainment industries for lack of a a better term and you know they they did the uh disney fox deal so traditionally like that doj's area of like expertise and and what they would do is you know like this entertainment uh internet-based mergers things like that um but i don't find it surprising that it's not set in stone. It could change, you know, based on who is the head of whatever department. So it's only weird in so far as like 
they they've gone outside their norm but i don't think it's weird in that lena khan is uh kind of a, a break them up internet person uh you know a rung below zephyr teach out in this antitrust space and you know that has been some of her scholarship has kind of been in the, the area of uh the you know internet regulation um so it doesn't surprise me to see her take up you know, a video game industry, especially when these video game industries are talking about how um, they're trying you know, to create the new internet. Yes. So web so 3.0 baby. It's not surprising at all that she's going to step in and be like, Oh, you know, let, let me handle this guys. And, and I do think that she would do a better job than the DOJ. I don't think the FTC is going to step in and, you know, not let the deal go through. But I do think it's it's not going to be a quick wrap it up, you know, stamp rubber stamp it, move on uh, type issue. I, I think it's going to be more of a fight than even the Disney deal from a few years ago. And and Khan already has a you know a history in these this past year of she sued Nvidia um, for their acquisition of ARM, um, and she also stepped in on a Lockheed Martin acquisition of some other arms company. You know, I, there'll be some action, but but what good is it if it if it doesn't result in anything? Yeah. I ha- again, I have no faith, and I have in in that yeah. institution, and uh, you know, no no rosy like, outlook on on on. Yeah, she's gonna put up a good fight, but you know, what the fuck? I mean, my but, my legal brain is like, you know, and, and it's hard for me sometimes. Starting I have to, to like, set juggle different. Yeah, exactly, and like she's making you know the little stepping stones in that, inroads. Yeah, the inroads yeah. that the, that's all that the law allows because it's such a conservative institution by nature. Right. Yeah, I think no, I just don't think there's any way they're stopping this. There's there's yeah, just too much not the, at all. I mean, like the broad public perception is still like I would say wasn't negative. If it was yeah, probably positive. positive by by a decent extent. I mean, and that's that that comes with of your regular that, of, of your regular person. You yeah, know? yeah. Except the, for except for media sickos like us, you know. Yeah. They're the, the only people who had anything, you know, possibly negative to say. Exactly. And and that's even with the fact that Activision is in the middle of a sexual harassment workers' rights scandal. I, I mean, know. that's a good that's a good transition to we we talked about it again last episode. Um, there have been some further developments in the organization efforts going on at the Activision subsidiary of Raven. We talked about how they had entered the steps to form a union, had announced their intention to file with the National Labor Relations Board, um, giving Activision, I think it was until January 25th, to it was basically about a week to voluntarily recognize the union. As to be expected, they came back and uh, gave some reasoning that like, oh, that what this was the reasoning. It was like they want everybody in Raven to be able to to vote for it, to have a say on on it. A clear t- again, anybody who knows anything about these processes, a clear tactic to dilute so- solidarity and dilute support for uh, you know these workers who have done you know so much work to you know organize themselves. And had like you know, seventy eight percent, I think, was the number. Just, you know, of people all in all with all with like you know the the glittery air of like you know we we want this to be a yeah. open and democratic decision. We're not you know putting in the we're, we're not putting up roadblocks to that like aren't outright like you know mal- like can't don't seem outright malicious or 
you know, like meant to, uh, you know, stop things, but like the whole process of slowing these things down is, is a, is a union busting tactic in itself of allowing management, uh, and corporate more time to build on further union busting strategies. It is a stepping stone. It is part of the process. And you, like you said, it was like, uh, we want it to be a democratic process and they take it the step further. We want it to be a democratic process because, you know, we are a family and, you know, if we're going to have someone else, a third party come in and mess up the family, we want to make sure that everyone at Raven is is ready for that and, you know, really wants it and, uh, will be accepting of it. So, you know, like you said, Ben, it's just a further union busting tactic, but, what they did recently and what is like the the latest news and i find it's just chef's kiss they started breaking up that union of q or like uh the unit sorry unit of qa testers who were all like just in one division in and of themselves like the qa testers within the corporation um they started and you know cited other industry practice and saying that this was you know something long-standing in the works that they're going to be doing which i'm sure it was but you know something that they had discussed doing but the timing is you know obviously still sketchy incredibly suspect (laughs) that they broke up the that unit of qa testers and embedded them within different uh you know areas directly with developer it's directly with developers and it's something we talked about last episode with like uh one of the tests that the National Labor Relations Board is going to do is called like the Boeing test. And you're going to have to look to determine if the people within the bargaining unit are like substantially have different roles or um, different uh, interests within the corporation. And, you know, once you embed them into the with the developers, you know, that's it makes it harder to say that you have a different interest from those people that are not going to be within the bargaining unit. So this, you know, leads uh, the Raven workers in the CWA to make the decision of trying to grow the union to incorporate developers and make sure that you could capture them all and say, fuck you to Activision, we're going to go bigger. Or you're really going to have to fight to narrow down what the QA testers do to like very much differentiate within the job description in the actual, you know, what they actually do in their job to make it different than the developers so that they could like keep them as a distinct unit for bargaining purposes. Yeah, it's it's all kind of the same. Again, this has kind of been my theme of the week is it's all the same news, but you know, somehow just a little bit worse. Rebooted. Tiniest little bit different, but usually for the worst. Um, I say we just How kind you of know wrap we're that. in a good simulation matrix. Yeah. <laughs> But just wrap that bit with saying, you know, solidarity forever with all, you know, organizing employees at uh, at Activision and all its subsidiaries. Um, we're rooting for you, but, uh, you know, we know they're in for a long fight and any support that uh, you or we can give is, you know, so, so something we should try to do. Yeah. And we'll put the um, any like strike fund links in the cha- in the description. As those things, yeah, are developing. I mean, because they're not currently on strike anymore. I'm not sure they had a they had a like a GoFundMe. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, if it's strike down fund. Or not. I, I I wouldn't expect that to be ongoing. But yeah, if if something develops in CWA or um, 
the uh, you know the actual uh, union from Raven you know post anything we'll be sure to share it on all the social medias and everything else but again we're, we're are you guys ready for another another loop uh, you know it's it's all <laughs> it's all the same nothing is nothing is different um, but say this this topic that's the things we've talked about before and it's things that I think we're going to be talking about for uh, a while until either these things are you know just foisted upon us without our consent or they uh do final these companies do finally overshoot and they crumble beneath them uh fingers crossed for the latter but you know it's crypto baby crypto's back you know did it ever leave but uh you know this time it's with a slightly new twist the blockchain has invaded the tabletop gaming space and it has come through the platform of kickstarter kickstarter is basically the like kind of incubation bed for tabletop gaming it is where like the industry exists no matter if you're indie publishers or you know big name license holding publishers with you know a, a list of games under their belt it's uh it's where you go it's it's how it's just it's the money making space but they uh, kickstarter came out with a uh with an announcement in their blog post that they will be uh looking to embrace blockchain technology it's all framed in like we're trying to you know empower younger and and smaller creators you know the big brain take i just want to read this one little bit um from the blog post itself you know they're talking about how all since like their inception in 2009 all the money that they've that they've gathered and the projects that they've created that have been successfully funded the jobs that have been built out of it the additional you know economic impact of of these projects once funded they get just like yet despite all these the impressive numbers there remains an endless line of talented and creative people waiting for opportunity our mission to help bring creative projects to life is a pledge to help unlock this latent potential in people and their ideas to truly serve that mission we need to build on what made kickstarter so innovative in the first place the power of a large network of people working together towards a common goal. So today we're announcing our commitment to a more open, collaborative, and decentralized future. They are uh, going to a, a public blockchain. There isn't a home. There's one other. Oh, yeah. They, they're supporting the development of an, quote, open source protocol that will essentially create a, uh, a decentralized version of Kickstarter's core functionality. Okay, that was a lot, uh, of words. a lot of words saying a whole lot of nothing at all. Yeah, I mean, it, it said it said something. It said something. We are running a scam. Right. <laughs> yeah, and we are money. being scammed at the same time. It's, yeah. that's what it sounds like to me. I just don't like. I really the the question of who, why, like who wants this again? Megalon. Like who who asked for this? None of the successful creators on Kickstarter, I'll tell you that, you know, I mean, the big names aren't saying anything, but it's primarily, you know, the indie creators, who, those, those who can probably benefit the most and have benefited the most from crowdsourcing platforms are, you know, they're pissed about this. We've got one example, uh, you know, one prominent and successful indie creator, uh, you know, from the platform has, uh, has announced that they will be taking their future projects away. This was... Um, Jay Dragon, the head of Possum Creek, uh, the developers of a critically lauded RPG called Wander Home that kind of is like D&D meets uh, Redwall meets Therapy meets Animal Crossing. 
Redwall. That was Brian uh, Jacques, right? Yeah. Shout out Brian Jacques. I love those books, man. The best. I, lo- I, lo- I love those books as a kid. But the you know this this game was funded on on Kickstarter. Um, came out to like rave reviews. Very successful. They're developing a new game. I don't have the title of it here, but they basically announced, you know, with this move uh, by Kickstarter, you know, they're they're pulling their support and will be like moving to I think Indiegogo. But you know, there are other platforms that are now trying to capitalize on this definite misstep. I think on Kickstarter's part um and trying to get it get into that because again this is the a money-making thing like this crowdfunding you know kickstarter is making a shit ton of money off of all these transactions and right so i don't why so that's what i don't get like why have an open source version of what kickstarter does that's what i just like that's i don't understand i mean it seemed like they're still gonna be making money off the transactions it's just right. like It'll, the code and stuff like they want other people to build upon it is what they said it's less work for them it's less yeah. work for them so this, what they're trying to do here is, is oh, okay i guess my got you my, my read of that was like they were releasing an open software free thing that like people would just use and no. they wouldn't be taking no it's like google chrome or like firefox where you could like make extensions and shit like like that's i think what i mean you know they mean by open source and like people adding upon the protocol and shit like that that's what they mean okay so they they have here what they have outlined is an independent organization will start the development of the protocol kickstarter will give this group funding appoint a board and will be one of the protocol's first clients the company says it'll also make an independent governance lab that oversees <laughs> the development of the protocol uh, governance. Dude, I love these that. Sen- these <laughs> Those are my favorite make, words. These sentences make me want to fucking put a gun in my Listen, mouth. protocol governance protects us all from yeah. people doing bad things, okay? Just just let the protocol governance handle it. And then, I of course, again, say- well, hold on. The, the rest of this quote, though, is the protocol will be built on CELO, an open source blockchain that uses the more environmentally friendly proof of stake system. <laughs> if, you know, users at yeah. home can't see me doing the jack off motion. Yeah, we're, we're going to kill two less trees with, right. with our, our process. No, we'll just burn up like maybe a couple years slower. So. You know, this uh, this system that they're, you know, they're putting out this, uh, you know, supposedly eco-friendly shit. It's all bullshit. It's all pablum. Nothing is ever good. Nothing is ever going to change for the better. We're all <laughs> heading, heading down this this deep slope to oblivion. And and all these companies are just like, yeah, give me a piece. Mine give goes me a piece. up. Yeah. Give me a piece of the hellscape, please. Mine hey. goes up. You you should be watching that YouTube video. It, it just it describes all this. Did you say line goes up? Yeah. Sure. It sure is. It keeps going up. It keeps yeah. going up. And say like, like how this revolves or has to do with tabletop is, you know, tabletop itself represents a third of Kickstarter's revenue. Um, in 2020, it was reported $270 million, uh, a 14% increase over the year before, but which itself was a drop from a 32% increase the year before in 2019. In comparison, video games have dropped from 22.9 million in 2020 to 21.8 million in 2021. Um, but you know that this is the driving force for uh, for Kickstarter. I don't see if there is a universal 
you know, basically decision amongst the creators that, you know, this is not where we want to go. I, I don't know how they don't respond, but you know, it's what we've seen, like take Ubisoft, you know, they're just like, no, you don't get it. We're going to, we're going to, we're, gonna, we're just going to push right on ahead. Literally. I did not know until moments ago that Kickstarter was a Brooklyn based company. Mm. And now I, I understand much, much more. I, you know, I I've met this person. They're the people that, that run this. I've not met them specifically, but I know these, you know, that Brooklyn mm-hmm. type person. And, you know, it, they're just, they're crypto bros, I'm sure. Crypto bros that were, you know, yeah, they're just trying, you know, that are now fully awakened. It's like, oh, fucking the, shit. Like, this is where everybody's doing. Like, we can't yeah. be the last ones. They, they can't leave the, the potential money on the table. And, you know, honestly, this doesn't bother me as much as some of, so this is just this is just like the blockchain tracking they're not specifically using nfts am i correct no no it's NFTs. just the blockchain it's just the blockchain yeah. protocol so this doesn't bother me as much because this may be like you know blockchain has potential uses uses if it didn't burn up the planet if we could find a way Being to a make currency it environmentally, and an investment is not one of them. Correct. Correct. So like, you know, I, I don't, I haven't done a deep dive into like exactly what Kickstarter is doing, but like, this is maybe like one of the potential areas where, you know, blockchain tracking technology, like could have some sort of usage. I'm not saying it's like good or anything. And, and like, especially in the current state of our economy and, uh, our environment it, it's not necessarily good but you know they're not they're not pulling a crypto rug pull um so you know again i'm not endorsing it but just i've seen too i guess i've seen too many crypto rug pulls going on recently that like i'm so doomer pilled that this is like oh this isn't a, this news isn't as bad as bad yeah yeah but, i mean i still think it's i think it does it doesn't mean it precludes something like that in the future though yeah, yeah. no exactly but it's just like i'm so used to you know as soon as we said blockchain or you know something i was like oh they're they're are we going to be buying pieces of you know the game so now i own like a character in the tabletop that only like (laughs) i own or some shit like that so like that's where my head went immediately so now going through this you know uh i i don't feel as bad but like i said it's not we're still going to burn up the world and you know there will be you someone's like supply closet that has 65 gpus in it is going to light on fire and, and like you know in california and yeah they just burn the burn state. down all of california yeah. <laughs> yeah. so like that that's the future yeah no i mean if if the if a lot of the creators really do leave the platform or start to say they're going to leave like a 32 percent drop isn't isn't tenable they can't they can't afford to lose lose that many uh, rpg creators so especially if i do they're think they're like the top three yeah i do think they're they might be more willing to respond to uh to that sort of feedback than than ubisoft where they literally can just say too bad choke on it they can say ho ho fuck you you <laughs> yeah. are very stupid <laughs> and, and you have to like think of the, who the consumer is there like you know ubisoft with their nft technology in the games like in their mind they're like people are going to buy our games no matter what just like with loot boxes so like you know they have an incentive to force it down our throats but with like just this introducing blockchain technology this is easier to walk back 
I think, than the NFT loot box shit. Um, or or just or it just does nothing like it just yes, fades. Exactly. like they just like oh it's still in yeah. development and then five I mean, years from now they don't even talk about it and you never we're hear doing it we're doing a study yeah yeah i mean it, it still will do something because like there is a chance that 65 gpus played on fire and burned down <laughs> california because you know i'm sure they'll be doing some sort of mining process even you know if they're just testing it out but i could like you said i could see this just petering out because it it does nothing you know it doesn't create any value or scam value um so it does nothing for capital and it just goes bye-bye all right so you know with moving from kickstarter though something that i i i know uh matt and i wanted to talk about we we were discussing this you know a couple days ago in the group chat yeah we have a a more uh a more established game publisher um who who kind of made their name on Kickstarter? The company Steamforged had a successful uh, Kickstarter campaign. Uh, and should have had what year that came out in, but it's a couple couple years ago. But a, a like official license. Uh, that number was in my head, but I couldn't. I didn't know for sure. Um, they had a successful campaign funding um, an officially licensed dark souls board game it was hyped up it was you know really anticipated made a lot of money then it came out and it was dog shit it was fucking terrible <laughs> it's uh, what we deserved you, it's what the stepped on crowd wants universally <laughs> panned uh that doesn't stop them though uh they are you know in the news again they are coming out with another official licensed dark souls project but this time a tabletop role-playing game a better fit but not a great fit. No, and we'll get to that. But the big news being that it is going to utilize the open source rule set of Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. And there's pretty much been, I'd say, uh, if there's a split in the opinion, it's like uh, Dark Souls fans are like, cool, I want, like, like you know, I'd, I'd be interested in playing, like, you know, a tabletop version. And then tabletop fans are like, I don't want a fucking uh, another D and D hack that, like you know, just does not do any service to the new material whatsoever. And it's just like punishes the players. There's like essentially bringing nothing to the table, uh, nothing new in well, terms yeah, of I mean, adaptation. Dark Souls at its core is just a fantasy. Just a fantasy. And you game. have like you have basic elements, like y'all, like you know, a lot of the same kind of class elements. You've got similar bestiary kind of yeah, things going like, on. You're basically like, taking Dungeons and Dragons and just putting a slight skin on it. You're not you're not right, changing but, anything fundamentally or doing something drastically different for the betterment of you know making a new game. And I just like have so many questions. Like, so me coming from I, I like I DM a, a DD fifth edition game every week and you know being as someone who plays that game and understand its its flaws and its shortcomings um i'm like trying to like put picture in my head how a a souls tabletop rpg would work particularly in terms of and i you know i went through and i looked at this it is marketed as uh, a game for two to eight players so the idea of a party playing in a souls like game where it's all about you know death is a constant thing you're it's you're but 
death you're is alone, constant, but you're helpless. But imp, you know, say, but impermanent thing. Whereas you're you're constantly having to uh, you know retread through the world and use yeah, the experience that the, you've, the that you've built curse. up over time. And that's the you know that's the core gameplay loop. And they're trying to incorporate that into into the game. They announced like some uh, like I think in response to a lot of the the people's you know if you could say at best their skepticism um they're like you know oh look we've changed some some elements some new mechanics so for those familiar with D, they are there's going to be no death saving throws you drop to zero hp you're dead um you respawn at a bonfire you know those who play souls games know that so my question goes as being a, a gm running this for a party one person one person dies and respawns you're then running two games like you've got the rest of the party games yeah you're running the rest of the party where they are and then you've got to deal with the other person as they respawn that then leads to whenever somebody's respawning you have to then have constantly mapped out your area your like your your actual map location and like your world that is or at least for the encounters and uh you gotta like say like you know where all the en- keep track of where all the enemies are where is there's no you know say randomness like that it's a lot of stuff to the all for, I'm picturing for the game master is respawning at a bonfire boring. and just sitting and waiting for your party to come and lower the uh the shortcut to said bonfire that gets unlocked at some point instead of just like going through and running again just like sitting there and waiting no, it's just there's there's there seems to be so many things. Uh, I, I am of the opinion it's not just a mistake to do this as, uh, you know, a, 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 a fifth edition hack. I don't think this fits um, particularly. It's not even a good a, hack. In, in a tabletop setting with one exception. Um, there do exist some games, some, you know, RPG games. I mean, the most classically original are literally you know pick your own adventure books where you're playing on your own but you know it's like you're you would play with essentially like one gm and one player essentially the g the gm taking on the role of the ai from the video game can't you do Um, that with call of cthulhu that one that can be played i think so but you can and you can technically do this with pretty much any role-playing game like there is official stuff for for Dungeons and Dragons, but then again, this then goes into why this is not a bad fit. This or why this is a bad, just a bad fit. Um, uh, even the official D and D rule stuff that has about how you can run an adventure for just one player. It's like, oh yeah, this game doesn't really work with one player, so you have to here you have to have them run this little NPC as a sidekick. Um, it's like you literally can't exist in this world as on your own. You you have to have at least two people um it, it just doesn't work and and even with that you've you know the world becomes incredibly empty and all that so again there's there's that's not what D is about D is about the you know a group collaborative storytelling so it's one just not a good fit but unless it's like some kind of like solo or duo kind of like most of these most of those kind of rpgs take the form of what are called like journaling games i've never played that that's never been my thing I'm of the opinion if you want to play like a one-on-one or a solo uh, RPG like this, or like you want to play uh, Dark Souls as a one-on-one RPG or something, play the fucking video game. That exists already. It's um, very fun. 
yeah and is more immersive you know is at least visually more immersing immersive um and doesn't require yeah the the gm to want to fucking kill themselves like i don't know i think it's a mess isn't it i I think it's a mess i think it's a fucking mess i think from top to bottom it's a mistake i uh i have not seen however that this thing will be going to kickstarter i just saw something that it's going to be available for pre-order coming up at some point so maybe yeah they're not they're they're not because that's another thing i want to talk about though is what how do you guys feel about the kickstarter trend like with in particular with tabletop um this company steamforge is an established company it's got enough money to have the official license and all that kind of stuff what the fuck do they need to be on kickstarter for yeah i it bothers me when the larger companies do it and like that even that hasbro has their own version of it really it 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 hurts my soul because it's just like they have the capital but but they have the money i i i agree with you both that i don't like the idea for these larger corporations but but at the same time all you're doing is pre-ordering a game but it doesn't have as much it doesn't have like kickstarter does like Every time you support something on Kickstarter, you've got to sign something yeah. that says that my pledge does not giving my pledge does not necessarily guarantee that I will get a product. You pre-order yeah. a game from a from an established publisher like that. That's fair. You're either going to get the game or get your money back. No, that's fair. I I I I've not participated in a Kickstarter campaign, so I wasn't aware of that. I I did I had forgotten that that's part of it. So that's fair. That's that. Yeah, no guarantee is from a larger corporate there that tends to not happen as much anymore um you know just like getting like basically ghosted by a creator but what does happen a lot is the project changes like you will you will pledge for something and then what actually is the finished product could be completely different from what you from what you actually uh gave money for so it's it's not it is no it is not the same okay fair enough so i i really just don't like the idea of capital holders participating in crowdsourcing in like grassroots style like campaigns for for a creative project like it kickstarter and these things are meant for meant to be a band-aid in a capitalist system where like someone who has a creative idea that really wants to you know show that to the world but needs the funds can like doesn't have the infrastructure to that these companies have built in yeah and and like so they they had access in some capacity or the potential for some access to that capital to fund that project to make it come to no, life it's, it's a really good point like the fact that it exists is is bad and is yeah. sad that that that's the state of things that that people aren't supported enough to have their same thing uh, with the GoFundMe you know, their... for medical bills right you know? exactly it's, it's just yeah. like exactly. one step different yeah no that's right yeah. that's i think that's exactly right but back to the 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 Dark Souls, Matt. As like the the resident Souls player, are you going to get the uh, the RPG? Are you going to make me run run a game for you? Would never. No, I would never make you do that. If you came forward and were interested in it, I'd run it. But that's just because you know why not? But yeah, doesn't really seem like a good fit right now. Overall, I just kind of wish. Like I'm in the boat of I want people to come up with new ideas. Like yeah. I, I love new things like reskinning things is just kind of if like 
I don't want to call it lazy because that's mean, but you want like a gritty, dark, like horror sense uh, RPG. Motherfucker, Blades in the Dark already exists. You know, that sounds cool. I don't know what that is, but I like the title. No, it's one. It's one that I want us to play. Like hearing you talk about this, Ben, the the Dark Souls RPG, it just made me think of that meme I sent you of like uh, the D- the dungeon master like trying to get one of the players to like or. It was a, a a a player approaching a dungeon master, being like, "Hey, I think I want to like you know maybe run a game. Can you like teach me?" And it's like, "Yes, yeah. finally, I can I'm pass free. it along. I'm free. Said, I'm free." Yeah, it's like the you know reading about this <laughs> or like hearing you talk about it is like it makes that meme just perfect. Yeah, I mean, I my my inner GM rage just like kind of just had <laughs> kind of erupted with this. All my repressed. Uh, you know, ben just, ben just wants one games. of us to G, uh, DM so that he can get back at us for everything we did during campaign. <laughs> so I've I've already succeeded in my 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 regular group. Um, they one of my players is already agreed to run our next campaign. So <laughs> I have foisting the curse. <laughs> I have I have been liberated. Uh, all right, um, that was a good one. I. Uh, Unless there's anything else, I think we uh, it's oh. it's time for plug. It's time for plugs. Anybody got anything in particular they want to plug? We already said at the top of the show, but it's bare. It, you know, it's it's worth repeating. Uh, if you like what we do here, give us a like, subscribe to the show, share it with your friends, write us a review on like iTunes or Google. It does a lot does a lot of good for us. Uh, no bad reviews though. Keep yeah, those to only yourself. Only five star. Yeah, keep those to yourself. We don't want to hear those. Um, or or make DM it like, Matt on Twitter. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, can can we get better? Can we do other <laughs> things? No, we don't want to hear that. Um, but yeah, DM me uh, on Twitter. Yep. Yeah. DM you. Yeah, yeah that's DM yeah, directly into my Twitter DMs. Have fun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but yes. Uh, otherwise, um, follow us on Twitter at CampcomPod and uh watch us on twitch we stream every week uh we've got a more regular schedule now yeah we've been uh, pretty good about it yeah playing divinity uh, 2 yeah every every friday now we're you know we're doing our group streams we've been yeah we're doing getting the what i've found the best uh equivalent to a tabletop experience mm-hmm. in a crpg this uh divinity 2 original sin top tier yeah in my mind of actually getting the the freedom that you can that you can find in a in in that the the real driving of a story based on your decisions that i've uh that i've seen in a crpg so i've been enjoying that it but, also uh, truly yes. captures the D um party doing individual things the chaos yeah, yeah. the chaos <laughs> the, just the chaos inherent to D D. yeah it, it actually makes that. it um more kind of sobering if you think about it from like the D table perspective like it gives you that like oh shit everyone is in different spots right now and doing different things yeah and like we're not fully aware of what they're doing like in D when the dm starts talking you know to each player yeah all right but yeah we've got more exciting content like that uh coming down the pike uh with some new releases we'll be streaming some new stuff we're excited yeah i mean technically i'll be saying i'll be streaming tomorrow which is in the past according to when mm-hmm. this is released Sundays, Sunday, 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 Matt Funday, Sunday, Black Mesa. I'm excited. I'm excited for you to stream that. I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch. 
All right, everybody. Until next time. Peace. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.